This week's episode of This Is Only A Test is brought to you by Ops Genie because incidents happen. Thankfully, Ops Genie empowers devs and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control during incidents. It also gives teams the power to respond quickly and efficiently to unplanned issues and helps to notify all the right people through a smart combination of scheduling and escalation paths. With Ops Genie, your next incident doesn't stand a chance. Visit OpsGenie.com to sign up for a free company account and add up to five team members. That's OpsGenie.com. Never miss a critical alert with OpsGenie. Okay, let's start the show. Or Thursday, November 15th. I think we should just start a podcast. drop there there's no i'm tired of your intro what yes what (laughs) there what there was a request from the youtube comments and we always honor requests from the youtube comments i don't read youtube comments (laughs) it's the number one rule of youtube comments i didn't see the youtube comment i just i just like that intro it's a good intro yeah i mean it doesn't have any drops no there's no yelling about squirrels i've said before it reminds me of the one-up show do you remember the one-up show yeah that was a podcast from the other people yeah, but Bad it was like guys. back in the day. Yeah. Like, so we can think about that with. It was uh, back before you could make money on podcasts. Yeah, Not like we're rolling in uh, over here. Rolling now. in it. Rolling yeah, so deep. Fat. I don't know about you. I made money on the Max PC podcast. You were literally the only person who ever made money on the Maximum <laughs> PC podcast. Welcome into our discussion of podcast economics. It's time for This is Only a Test. I'm your co host, Kishore, this week. I want to start off by apologizing to everyone last week who read the title for the podcast and did not understand the brilliance of that Simpsons reference that I titled in there Look, and were upset that I was trying to take a shot at the metric system. Sure, there are things that there are things that we can joke about. The metric system is not metric one system, of the Metric system System International? No sir. <laughs> no. Not on this podcast. No, never. Uh, welcoming back for the first time in a couple weeks, it's Jeremy Williams. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, hey, welcome thanks. back, Jerome. It's, good it's to be been back. so long. I don't yes. even recognize you. I know. And then uh, podcast aficionado <sighs> of the tested community now. People love me. It's Mr. Wilson. Number one podcast fan. I am. I Look, I like the new theme. I, I'm a little sad, though, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> That's the standard theme. That's the standard yeah, theme? It's just when you come on, we play yours. What? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have. I'm, I'm gonna hear from my manager, there, sir. There's two standard themes, but yeah, yours is the special one. Before uh, we get into the sto- top story this week, we missed the top story last week, which was that Norm has welcomed a new testy premium member into his life. Yeah, he. Uh, he's. I can't believe he's charging that kid for membership, but okay. I mean, how else is he gonna get the premium member gift? That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, uh, welcome, Avery. Yes, welcome. There's some adorable pictures on Norm's Twitter feed mm-hmm. and on mm-hmm. the Instagrams uh, of this child. And Norm seems to be doing pretty well. Like, he came in and actually podcasted. Oh, uh-oh. Oh, after the first poop, so things have gone downhill. So we went and saw them, and they were doing great. And They're home. Everyone's healthy. Everybody's home. Oh, well, we still have Ripley. But um, it's like... 
it took uh, Gina and I it took maybe three months before we realized that we were never going to catch up on sleep ever again. And I think it's already hit Norm. I think Norm is, has realized that his sleep situation is is uh, is going to be dire from here on out. I mean, how much, much did the rest Norm, of his life? How much did Norm really sleep before? Norm Norm needs a surprising amount of sleep to function. Like, if you want to be a high functioning Chan, you have to sleep solid six or seven hours a night. And he can do five six hours of sleep, but if he gets below that, he gets a little crotchety. I'm not going to even get into how you know that about Norm. I've known but Norm we're just for like twelve years. Move on. Yeah. I think it's time for our top story this week. Yep. Boom. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> it's coming. Top story this week. It's all been said already, but I think we have to add our cavalcade of, of remembrances to the passing of Stan Lee. I, I, yeah. I and think this must have hit you the, the hardest of all of us here on the podcast panel. Am I right? Yes, maybe. I mean, it, I don't think this is a competition, but I mean, I felt the... <laughs> I'm trying to be sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I um, I kind of was expecting, I mean, he, he, he was 95 years old, mm. and we know that he's had um, some health issues. I mean, his wife passed away a couple of years ago. Last year. Oh, last year? Oh, oh. well... Um, in any case, it, it wasn't sort of unexpected that Stanley was was sort of nearing end stages of life. It hit me hard just from the perspective of remembering everything that he created and some of the surprising things that I just completely forgotten about. Because I think we're in this deluge of the MCU mm-hmm. and the revival of Stanley's fame from that. But he was a pop culture figure in the eighties and in the early nineties. He was a uh, uh, oftentimes on on TV, and he was a, a real kind of charismatic figure. But more in under, those times. I would have thought more underground then. I mean, representing the comic book readership, as opposed to the MCU, which has really gone mainstream. Sure, but I think people think of him as that quirky cameo guy. Yeah, um, he used to thank people for coming to see his cameos and staying yeah. for the movies. <laughs> Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, That's my, very good. My favorite Stanley fact, and we can we can talk about his litany of of characters that he created. Uh this is the one that sort of hit me kind of funny, is that uh obviously he created Sp- you know, Spider Man and uh the Hulk and Black Panther. And then when you get to the Fantastic Four, um Which you is... figure out that he made the Fantastic Four when he was thirty nine. Yeah. That's the crazy so part to hope. me. Is uh, yeah, it's, it's not just that there's still hope; it's that how prolific he was in the second half of his of his life, and that's actually where like more stuff seemed to emerge. The, the Fantastic Four was where like the Stanley Marvel started, right? For all intents and purposes, that's when like the supposedly the Marvel method, quote unquote, uh, appeared, which was his. Uh, which is this styling where the artist and the writer would actually have much more of a collaborative process on on drawing, illustrating, and even sort of writing the book itself, where as it used to be like a script kind of uh, mentality. You, you'd write a script and hand it off to the artist. Artist would just draw the panels as written in the script. And the artist would have like, like the script would have like scene direction and stuff. Like exactly. this is in Batman's cave and this is, you can see the penny in the background and stuff like that. And so it, he's attributed a lot with that Marvel method, even though I think it's it's more towards Kirby who, who really pioneered that. But in any case, it doesn't matter. 
uh, he really popularized it and put it into into mainstream inside of Marvel, which I think ch- totally changed the nature of those books. Um, I love seeing all the iconic imagery that you know he was responsible for like resurface again. Some of those you know golden age images of Spider Man um, uh, showing up. Those early images of the Hulk. Um, what about you? What do you think of when you think of Stanley? I mean, I I knew his name before the MCU, but I didn't know what he looked like. I certainly didn't know what he sounded like. Um, I just knew the word Stanley, right? Because it, wasn't it also in the comics? Like he was a edited was by Stanley. Yeah, he was a, all of them. But but in the actual narrative, wasn't there the voice like Stanley at some point is mentioned in the comics? Yeah, Stanley was mentioned yeah. in the comics. Well, he would have like true but believers and Excelsior and all yeah. that. But his name was also everywhere. So like the mention in the comics just reinforced this, you know, yeah. these two words we're used to seeing on every single comic book. And I didn't even realize, like I'm so dense over the until the past couple of years that his name is a pun like, of, for Stanley. I never got that. Was that obvious to everybody? I, I assumed it was a fake. I was assumed, assumed it was a pen name. Or yeah, like or like the editor, like the editor's name. Just everybody worked under one name when they wanted to make a comment. No, I get that like, too. But, yeah, uh, but I got that part. But the fact that like it's Stan, yeah, like yeah, two yeah. names. Yeah, that makes sense. And I didn't get that. Part. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. How about you, Will? Um, so I, I wasn't, uh, I was a DC guy because my dad had Batman comics from when he was a kid. Like there was a big trunk full of Batman comics and maybe old pornography in the barn, and they were all mixed up together. So when I discovered that as a child, it was a really good day. Um, but the Batman comics really like I detective comics from the probably fifties and sixties. It was fascinating because it was, it was like the birth of all of these mm-hmm. iconic heroes. And I, and, and he, he was too old for Marvel when, when Stan Lee came on and, and like the fantastic four and X-Men and all that stuff started. So I didn't, I wasn't really exposed to that until much, much later when I was, you know, out of college and working at a job, and someone was like, "Hey, you should check out these graphic novels." And I like went through Daredevil and some of the some of the big X Men arcs and stuff like that in trades, and it was always amazing to me. Like this, the X Men. I got excited about the X Men because of the of the animated show in the nineties, and and got got into X Men as a, as a result of that. Or late eighties, early nineties, I guess. So like Claremont time frame. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a lot of there was a lot of um, the giant robot murder murder ro- mutant murdering robots and sentinels and stuff yeah, like so that. That's a Jim Lee Chris, Chris Claremont time frame. Yeah, 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 and and that stuff like it was interesting to me that they like the thing that the thing that that I loved about Marvel and and it's something that I think that the um, the Joss Whedon Marvel movies did really well is taking everybody's strengths and weaknesses and strengths and weaknesses of each character playing off of each other makes the whole team stronger as a whole. And it's something that you really see a lot in like Avengers and, and X-Men and, and stuff like that and Fantastic Four, but not so much in the DC side. And it's what appeals to Marvel for me now more than, than DC. Um, I, I also met Stan once at Comic-Con. Did you? Yeah. How I, long ago? How long ago? Yeah. Uh, it was when we were working at Tested. So we were staying at the Marriott one year and I was coming back from like the end of one of those 20 hour Comic Con days. And I got in the elevator. Like, I ran to get in the elevator at the last minute. And there was this guy in there. And I kind of just zipped in and immediately turned around. It was like this guy and then two large men. And I was like, oh, holy shit, that's Stan Lee. And I, and I just turned around and was like, hey, I don't want to bug you because I know you're like, it was like 11 o'clock at night. And he was probably 90 years old at the time. It's like, but I really love your work and, and you know, thank you for, for what you've done over the last 40 years. 
And he was like, oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Excelsior. And then got off the elevator and walked to his room, I guess. He was really, it was like, it was really, it was a 30 second interaction, but he was very nice about it. I'm so impressed at, you know, the last 20 to 25 years about how close he stayed to fans in the rise of the the con movement. Mm -hmm. He would go to every single one he could, it seemed like. Actually, to the point where it was like, how is he going to all of these? Like, this is crazy to me. Um, there was the unfortunate news in the past couple of years of, of fights over his estate and his name, and that rippled through into the con experience. I remember, um, you know, being at a con with Norm and uh, us seeing Stanley in his like area where he was getting photographs and and it just feeling wrong, like yeah. something about it felt exploitative, and uh, that that's. That yeah. and that was unfortunate, but I don't think that's going to really be the the end of of Stanley's story. I, I mean, the legacy is that he took the thing that a bunch of nerdy kids loved in the eighties and seventies and sixties, and um, turned like the themes that he established in those early works are so pervasive and universal that they can make a movie about them that makes $2 billion at the box Mm -hmm. office and touches millions of lives. And that's awesome. I think that's really good. There's actually a really good quote along those lines on the Remembrance page that Marvel put up. It says, this is a quote from Stanley. He says, I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges and going on to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain, you're doing a good thing. Well, but but not just that. Like, there's representation that he was doing in comics. Like, as not a mainstream medium, comics were able to they were able to do things that that they couldn't do on TV and they couldn't do on um, on on in film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as a result, they have far surpassed some of the earlier earlier large franchises because just because of the the kind of counterculture nature of 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 even superhero comics in the 60s and 70s i I think it's i mean it's 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 amazing and it's a real testament to to the work that he did i mean the the thing that people were sharing the other day about uh it's one of stan's notes from the back of the uh, back of the comic book about bigotry having no place in Mm -hmm. comics is is really true and you see that in the collapse of like the comic skate stuff and and like how those communities have come out and and it's it's a lovely thing i think it's really good and i think he had a lot to be proud of thank you stanley yeah Okay, we have two new trailers out that we're going to discuss. I'm going to save the more interesting one for a second. <laughs> Toy Story 4, we I'm, got a new trailer. I'm with you on this. Uh, you, everyone, That's the a world teaser. is with us. Toy Story 4 is just a teaser. T- Toy Story 4 is, is just the entree, the appetizer for the entree. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of okay with the Toy Story 4 thing. I'm not terribly excited about this movie. I you were okay with prove the, me wrong with the teaser, or you were okay? What do you mean? Yeah, like watch the trailer; it was fine. Yeah, there's nothing to it. It's, it's all the characters in slow motion going around and around in a circle, yeah. 
and then a new random character, which looks like it was designed in five minutes. A spoon with like some forky. Ouch! Was it a, was it a fork? It's a spork. It's it's a spork with some pipe cleaners and on he, it. And he says, it's... "I don't belong here." And then it's chaos, and uh, it's supposed to make you smile. I'm gonna tell you that that spork thing uh, that could be ripped straight from my kid's play box because that is a thing that she would have absolutely made like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's something a kid. It looks like a kid uh, like a kid would yeah. make. Yeah, but it tells you nothing about the plot, nothing about the movie. I guess it, it shows you who's going to be in it. They're like, going to go get. They're going to go find Bo Peep. They got to find Bo Peep. That's yeah. the thing. Okay. She's is missing. That, is that the thing? She's I, been gone since the second movie. I'm actually kind of upset that there's a Toy Story four because I thought three ended on basically the perfect <clears throat> note. See, Norm loved Toy Story three. He loved that movie. I think that it's was a great movie. such a great ending too. Savage ending about you moving on and like the toys yeah. having life. All of those stories. Yes. It completed the arc of adolescence. It's passing on. Yeah. And inheritance and then happiness continues. I, I'm with you on that. I, I'm not a fan of Toy Story 3. I, I thought it was way too dark compared to the first two. I felt like it was the PG version of the G version of the first two. Uh, with Lotso, you know, that he's an evil, Wait, look, evil bear who is never redeemed. I they, have never said this about one of my podcast compatriots, but I'm not sure Jeremy has a heart. So... That was wow savage. What you just did to Toy Story so Three. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Jeremy's right. Like that movie ends when they're in the incinerator and they're getting sucked toward the fire, and they all hold hands to face death. Yeah. And then there's a Deus Ex Machina that saves them. Yeah, but, but until then, they'd given up. They, they like they looked death in the eye. And they're like, well, that's it. We had a good run, guys. Time to get melted down. I was watching that. I was thinking, I'm not sure if I could take my kids to this. This is just plain dark. This is just mm-hmm. dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. But it did it did bring it to an end the teddy bear industry for a little while, which I was thankful for. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, um, I think it was for the kids who grew up with the first two, and they were a little bit older, ready for a little more trauma in their lives, and so they got the Toy Story three that they deserved. Well, so like <laughs> as as somebody who has watched that with a with a young child. She completely misses the fatalist aspect okay. of the last act, right? Good, good. Like she's sitting there, she's like, "Oh, they're gonna get out, Dad!" Right? I was like, "Yeah, they're gonna. They oh, better be fine." I'm gonna pre- go over to Pixar and throw some bricks through windows. <laughs> she's already predicting movies. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, Toy Story Four is happening, whether we like it or not. Maybe it'll help certain people on this show rediscover their their youthful mm-hmm. enthusiasm for toys. So. So they did. But, they, they did some shorts. They did uh, tr- uh, Toy Story of Terror yeah. and the Toy Story that Time Forgot, and those pick up the Bonnie story. Don't forget Party Source Rex. Party Source Rex. What, what up, the, fishes? What up, fishes? Yes. <laughs> that was pretty it's good. Very good. All right. Like, they doing good stuff with Bonnie. Toy Story Four is happening, but let's get to the real trailer. Oh it's yeah. It's time oh, when you need to solve mysteries. There's only one. Pokemon, you're gonna call Sherlock on Sherlock Gnomes. It's Detective Pikachu Fuck time. Yeah. Weird, man, this is so weird. Oh, it I, was so can, good and terrible and everywhere in between. Did, did either of you grow up with Pokemon? Because I think we're all no, too old, really. right? Yeah. yeah, I have no connection to Pokemon whatsoever. I think this movie looks dope. It's got Deadpool as a little rat bird lightning thing with a hat. Why do we not love this? It's great. He can only talk to one person. Yeah. That's the best this way. This is the best. Was, this is setting up all sorts of hijinks. Imagine yeah. a Deadpool movie where Deadpool can only talk to one person. What are all those Bulbasaurs doing? What I are need Bulbasaurs? to know. They were in the, one of the scenes is at the end. Is that the fire breathing thing? No, that's the no. water one. No, Bulbasaur water. Yeah. I the, like. Look, I have questions about the Pokemon universe. Right? Is this a universe where people are okay with dog fighting? Because they take these pets, they enslave them, and then they make them fight each other. Right. They're not compensated. They're not. They're seemingly sentient because one of them can talk, 
Like th- this is there's an incredible moral flexibility here that I don't know that I'm comfortable with this as a children's movie. Everyone is focused on the Ryan Reynolds portion of this, who's great, the greatest living actor. Sure, um, <laughs> I was really I was really struck by the Ken Watanabe performance at the beginning. Who's as that? The, he's the grizzled cop yeah. talking to the main character. Oh, if you have any of your father in you, and. I just need more Ken Watanabe in my life. Yeah, so I feel good. like that it, he's going to really yeah. anchor the, the home of this. I can't wait for this. This seems like a train wreck that I'm willing to board and uh, see where it goes. And if we somehow make it to through the tunnel on the other side, awesome. I don't know. If, we, if we all splatter together, I'll enjoy that too. There's a Detective Pikachu game, right? Oh, God. Like is this there? Is, is like that the, a thing? I feel like there's a Detective Pikachu amiibo that I've seen, so I assume that there's a game that goes with it. That like, look, this is. I don't what, even know how to spell Pikachu. P i k a c h u. I don't know. Start with Pika Pika. That was it. Yeah. Um. one of the things. One of the things that, like, Pokemon as a franchise, it's a huge media franchise, right? It's it's like when you look at the list of big media franchises, like Marvel, Star Wars, and then Pokemon somewhere in the top five or top ten someplace. But they, but their their video, their TV and movie content is all geared towards small children. They're making something that appeals to adults. They're making a harder, grittier Pokemon Adult, movie. No, this is for everybody, don't you think? This is for kids those, and those adults. Pokemon, they get they get nasty. Is that Jeremy? Is that right? I don't know. Uh, there I are some so. mean Pokemon. Yeah, there, there is a Detective Pikachu game developed by Nintendo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's an adventure game. Yeah, it sounds great. Look, he has a hat. He has a little coat on. He looks like Sherlock Holmes. When I saw this trailer, I thought to myself, uh, I don't know what to make of that. And then I started to think, like, if I were making a Pikachu movie, if I were making a Pokemon movie, what is the best approach? And I think this might be it. Like CSI Pokemon. Like, like they have to go figure out what happened to all the Pokemon like looking it, for fibers. It can't just be straightforward, like, animated Pokemon movie. Those are for kids. They make a million of those. Do they make those? There's shitloads. There's, there's, there's like a million episodes of Pokemon anime. There are <laughs> dozens like, yeah. of Pokemon anime movies. Movies, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, like they Don't do- ever watch it on Netflix because your queue is going to be ruined. Your recommendations are yeah. just going to be like series upon series Don't of Pokemon. Don't let your kids know they exist either because it'll destroy you. That's scary. Wow. Um, this is like the Paddington of Pokemon. There's no, no how dare There's like you, Sully Paddington movie. You haven't seen this yet. Paddington 2 is the Paddington greatest movie of last is year. is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Who are you to say this won't get 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? I, I am a person that will say that it's not going to get 100% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Are you telling me the Green Lantern, Lantern is going to somehow get 100% on Rotten Aww. Tomatoes? Oh, yeah. I took a shot at him. <laughs> greatest living actor. <laughs> I cannot... Wait. I'll go to Detective Pikachu with you. You want to take the, yeah, take yeah, the yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm going to go. Scar a child. Uh, in other pop culture news, and we don't have a ton more, um, there's unfortunate news. The Westworld set, one of the their outdoor sets, uh, was caught up in the California fires and burned down. The and, fire. And there's some uh, pictures of the devastation uh, that have happened. Um, obviously, this is in, uh, just part of a larger story of what's happening here in California with the wildfires. Uh, I know you talked about it on Still Entitled this week. Nor mentioned it last week. Uh, I just want to a acknowledge how devastating these fires have been to uh, everyone in in California and members of the tested family. Um, 
and the smoke has persisted. Like here, the smoke levels are still pretty terrible. The kids are not allowed to play outside of school, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's wearing masks. It's really, I mean, the smoke is is an is bad, unhealthy, and inconvenience. It's nothing like the the damage that's being done mm-hmm. to towns like Paradise and, and right. Malibu and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Oftentimes, when you see the photos, it's sort of hard to process them because they're they're so damaged. And what I thought was interesting about these Westworld photos is like for people that are fans of the show, you have a reference in your mind, and you can really picture what it means for like something for all of that just to be destroyed in a in a heartbeat. Apparently that ranch was just open to the public too. It when it wasn't underused mm. by by studios. You could like hike to the Westworld set. Oh cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, you wouldn't do that right now. Well, uh best to any listeners out there, friends and family that are uh moving through this fire. I hope everyone ends up safe and thanks to all the people that are putting in countless hours to to actually fight these fires uh, on the front lines. Um, no good transition for this, but the last thing is next week is already Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious. There's two big movies opening next week, and I want to see if either of you are excited about them. Planes, the, Trains, and Automobiles? I'm actually showing that at the Draft House yeah, the Monday after Thanksgiving because it's the best Thanksgiving movie ever. But we have The Crimes of Grindenwald, um, mm. the next in the Harry Potter franchise, and then Wreck-It Ralph, too. That opens the, after Thanksgiving? You're going in costume. Am I? You have one. I do have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for both, big time. I mean, more Wreck-It Ralph, I think, because I'm a huge fan of the first one. But uh, I got to say that Crimes of Grimwald? Grimwald looks really good. I haven't seen... This is the second one of this new Fantastic trilogy? Fantastic Beast, yeah. I haven't seen Fantastic Beast yet. Is it you, worth watching? I like Harry uh, Potter. Fantastic Beasts is okay. It's like somewhere like a six or six out of ten kind of level. So it's like, like a, it has problems, but it's still like, like enjoyable to watch. Uh, I think it was better than Half Blood Prince. Chamber of Secrets. Oh, I like Chamber of Secrets. See, my problem with all the original Harry Potter films was not so much the storylines, but more the child acting issues. Oh yeah, you know, it's just difficult to you're watch right. that sometimes. Sure, I think you're right. He doesn't have a yeah, heart. He's what dead I, inside. He's so, gonna like hate on Christmas in a second. What I, I think. Yeah. What I feel like these new movies do is they solve that problem. You know, they bring in just they, they kill great, all the kids. They greatly, yeah. You great, know the problem with these movies: these yeah. damn adorable it's, children. Yes. Kids. I, I am turning into W. C. Fields. <laughs> I, I. So I recently rewatched the first Harry Potter movie, The Sorcerer's Stone, or or Philosopher's Stone, Stone and depending on which country you live yeah. in. And I was really so that was a Chris Columbus movie who made Home Alone and a bunch of other ch- children actor movies, and I was amazed. Both at how well they cast and how well they managed the fact that the kids could only remember one or two lines at most at a, at a shot, <laughs> um, and and how well that movie worked despite the fact that those kids were nine years old or eight years old or whatever when they started. Um, uh, I'm excited about both. I'm more excited about Wreck It Ralph. I think the ceiling for that movie is much higher. Like, I'm really worried. Like, so Disney Animation Studio has been on a let's say ten year tear where they've made nothing bad. Yeah. Has it really been that? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's like, Tangled, probably. Yeah, Tangled is actually Bolt is great. Higher, highly underrated too. Yeah, Tang- Tangled is so good. I like Tangled better than Frozen. Yeah, um, but you like Tangled, Bolt, um, uh, Wreck It Ralph, Big Hero Six. I mean, it's just banger after banger mm. after banger, and then 
like I look at this trailer, I'm like, oh man, this looks this looks real internety and bad. It feels but like I they're cramming them. too much stuff into it. Look, I, I you looked at the Wreck It Ralph trailer and you thought the same thing because it's like, oh yeah. look, they've got Pac Man and they've got Bowser and they've got Zangief and they've got some zombie thing that I've never seen before. But those and were, it worked. Those were all just throwaway. That's the thing. References. Yeah. And so my concern about this one is the internet properties are going to play a, blo- a bigger role. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think. Do you, what, what's your over under on Ralph saying Yahoo? Yeah, I don't know. I hope there's some retro Zero. references. I, hope, I think he's not going to say it. I okay. hope. I hope like you get to see like AOL, like you know, panhandling or something. You know, like <laughs> yeah. well, you've got mail. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> this is getting com. brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, what else do you want to see? You want to see uh, um, uh, uh, Walmart.com, the Pets.com dog <laughs> yeah, just pets being net. like yeah. trampled on the ground, like a thrift yeah, store with get, getting neutered, like a thrift store with Netscape Navigator and something like. Yeah, that, that sounds you know? good. Yeah, Internet Explorer just on fire modems. in the background. I want modems. I want dial-up somewhere on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens. I, I. Like, I'll go see it. I'm going to go see it. I like that. I like love the first movie. It's Me one too, of my favorites. Yeah. Me too. Um, and like I said, if it were any other, like even Pixar, even if Pixar was making a movie that had a trailer like that, I'd be like, oh man, I don't know about this one. But I trust the Disney Animation folks. They 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 have a uh, they are on one of the hottest streaks in all of film right now. And mm-hmm. go to like an eleven o'clock show, Jeremy, because then there won't be any kids there to ruin yeah, your experience in the morning. <laughs> I think two day shipping comes with a price, and uh, and you, that price is now in uh, billions of dollars in tax subsidies because the <laughs> Amazon HQ two was announced uh, after much. Is this public a new tablet discount. or a phone or something? What is this? It? Is, is it like the an new Alexa? Amazon headquarters that is oh split between two cities. Yeah, it's, like, it's not HQ two anymore. It's, it's like, no. like HQ three because they're still keeping the Seattle one, right? Yeah. Exactly. And with the promise of 50,000 jobs, and I think there was a lot of of interest from cities that we in areas we call like the heartland, like outside of sort of like big tech areas, they were really putting a lot of effort into making this happen. There was some really silly things. They were sacrificing like, goats in Milwaukee. There was a town that literally said they would make Jeff Bezos permanent mayor of the town. Yep. Uh, and they would rename the town. Like there's Mario stuff like Pomer that. Said he'd re- change his last name to Amazon. He said, "Should he?" Yeah, yeah. I actually thought, like you know, there's ones that are much more serious. Like Birmingham, Alabama, really made a strong pitch uh, for for something like this. At the end, they chose New York and DC. Not inspired choices. National w- Landing, a place that doesn't exist. Queens and Arlington. Yes. Well, Arlington. Fine. Yeah. Crystal City. Yep. Long Island City, if we're going to be like really <laughs> particular here, do we? Why do we care about this? Can I ask? I, I, I don't. I just, I just want to say that I found this um, totally <laughs> disconcerting. The process behind this, it the, was, it, it brought out some ugliness. Well, and when you look at like the number of jobs that they're promising to bring to these areas, it's laughably few for three to five years. It's like 400 people next year they're going to hire in Arlington. Yeah, which they're, they're bringing the jobs. They're bringing you, the jobs with them. Yeah, they're, they're encouraging people to move from expensive Seattle to soon-to-be expensive Northern Virginia and already expensive Queens. Like, I, I don't... People in Queens seem pissed off about this. People in Arlington seem pissed off about this. It doesn't seem like a good thing. Yeah. 
It seems like they've invited a plague into their home. It's a weird thing. A weird like tax credits in exchange for <laughs> some public infrastructure improvements. Don't get me wrong. I like I'm nothing against the jobs and like and and all of that, but the the whole process just turned into a circus. It felt like by doing it publicly this way. It was public until January when they had a list of the top twenty, and mm-hmm. then they went completely secretive, and they were, uh, insisted that everyone involved sign non disclosure agreements, and the city so went, weird. went mute. All right. Well, moving on from that uh, debacle into potentially another one. There are rumors <laughs> that Jack Dorsey is considering an edit feature on tweets. I think he has for that some, t- great. some time now. Hey, you're, gonna, you're on board. I'm gonna. I'm the pancake bunny, and I'm going to post a tweet about how pancakes are awesome and bunnies are really cute. And then a hundred million people are going to retweet that, and then I'm going to change it to be like, "Hey, if you retweet this, you love Nazis." And then a hundred million people retweeted the pancake bunny, who okay. turned out to be All a right. Nazi. Chill out. The, the only way that an edit button works yeah. is if it's time, you know, if it's time limited. Okay. So you type something, you have a typo in there. You're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, damn." Should I delete, delete it, it and redo it? Because some, somebody already liked As it. As we have since time immemorial, or grumpy old Jeremy. Do I have a minute to, to nope. edit my post? Give me a minute. No. This is a, look, this, this, did our forefathers have an edit button? No. When the pilgrims <laughs> came over from England and set foot on Plymouth Rock, that, did they have an edit button? They had whiteout. No, sir. They did not have whiteout. <laughs> they did. No, they're not the great poet. Uh... We are going to fact check that if whiteout existed in uh... 1776. I think this is an open question that deserves some scrutiny. Can I? Can we just like with the problems facing Twitter today with harassment and 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 threats of violence that are completely arbitrarily applied uh, enforcement of? I like maybe the edit button's not the thing they should be focusing on. I think that's been a general consensus about Twitter for a while, that no. they tend not to focus on the things that right. people want. Oh, come on, guys. Seriously, this, this is not, like, the only thing. Like, the whole company has to focus on the edit button. Dude, they don't do <laughs> shit. It's like, what have they, what they, everything they've done since, like, 2009 has made Twitter worse. You don't like the 280? Uh, no. I actually think the 280 is fine. I don't, actually, I'm ambivalent about the 280. I think it hasn't made it better, hasn't made it worse. And I think moments are okay. I don't. I don't use the main client, so I've never seen a moment. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, like they know. they turned off support for third party clients earlier this yeah. year. They've neutered them so that you can't get notifications on DMs if you use a third party client. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. That yeah. was June. Uh, it was bad. Pretty big deal. I I just think the edit feature. We've seen this play out. We see it play out on YouTube. We've seen it play out on Reddit. I don't think anyone loves the edit feature, even if it is time limited. Whatever. I'm a typo kind of guy, so I like a little... like I mean, Typos are my way of life. You know my favorite button on, on Inbox and Gmail is the undo. You mm. send it, you got like 10 seconds to undo. Well, you can do that on the client. You can make a Twitter client right now that has an edit. It gives you 10 seconds before it actually posts it. You can look at it, see what it's going to look like. Maybe that's the And then solution. you mash the button. You just need to get a better client. I like... Maybe that's the Too edit. bad the clients aren't supported anymore if they're third party. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jeremy. All right. Uh, we, we've started the hate train, so time to keep it rolling because it's time to revisit our friend the foldable phone that we talked about last week. The Samsung foldable I hope phone, it's really, which is really a tablet. Priced. Yeah, it, uh, price leaks have come out. It's going to debut in March for the price of $1,770. So I have an idea. It's oddly specific. They, made, they, made, they should have done it for $1,776. <laughs> and then they could have rolled it on the 4th of July, made it a bit, but painted it red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the price of liberty. Yeah, this is the liberty phone. You're free, free from your tablets. 
look, it fits in your pocket and it folds and probably the screen will hold up. I don't know. That seems expensive for a phone. What do you guys think? I wasn't expecting like a sub thousand dollar phone here because this is clearly one of those things where they need early adopters that are going to pay high end pricing to test out the technology to prove it before they can bring it to market. Fine to all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the price number is weird. Like, I agree with you there. Uh, the other thing is, like, it's it's so far beyond the price of phones right now, except the, like, super, super maxed out iPhone X, uh, that it's, it almost seems ridiculous. Like, who would pay this? No, like, I would remove almost from that. It does seem ridiculous. And it doesn't even look like that sexy a phone that's the problem. Because it's a tablet. If it was amazing, people might pay that. But this it's... thing looks thicker than any phone I've owned in the past 10 years. Look, man, it's boxy but good. All right. All right, we're going to stop the hate train. We're going to jump off. Oh, man. Time to talk about something that's awesome. Uh, uh, Google has released a, a new update to their Pixel cameras. So the Pixel 3 has this. It's called... Night sight. All the pixels have it. You yeah. wa- you wanted uh, to make this the top story of the week. You love this. I, I love this. I mean, um, so it's. I think it's still propagating down to all the cameras on all the other Pixel devices. This is essentially a low light feature, but it's much more than the low light feature. It allows for essentially longer exposure. Um, it's I think about six seconds longer exposure. I, I think it, it changes depending on what you need. It, up yeah. to six seconds. It's up to six seconds. But the idea is that it brings in much more light. So I, items in the foreground, especially items in dark areas and these low light conditions, uh, are much more lit. Much more lit than we see with our our naked eye. In addition, it doesn't do it in a static way. It actually does it with motion. Um, so you can take a picture of a scene in this night site and get the foreground sort of lit up, if you will, if something's moving in the background and it will account for that movement. Yeah, it, it was kind of a brilliant trick seems, of software. Seems it, like magic. No, it's not magic. It's science. Seems like magic. It, com- it com- even I think it means feels it like magic. It combines information from the IMU with visual data from the camera itself, and they do it. In, like what's impressive to me is they can do these seconds long exposures and retain sharpness. Like that is not easy. It's got that integrated magic unit, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's really neat looking stuff, and I would imagine that the iPhone's going to play catch up on this one next year. So, so not to fact check the last bit about the phone, but a fully decked out iPhone S Max with 512 gigs of storage is $1,450. Yep. Well, that's so approaching a $1,700. short of the much larger screen folding Samsung monster phone. What's, what's your point? I'm just saying it's not it's not a, like the it's price. not like it's seven hundred dollars more. No, for that's the what folding. I was saying. Like if it was a beautiful phone, it yeah. might be a competitor. Yeah. Okay. I'm really impressed with this night site. I want to uh, yeah. test it out, but uh, the Verge did a, a great series where they tested out the phone under a lot of conditions, and you could see the photos. They did that sort of split where you can sort of swipe between the yeah. the two different photos and and see the difference. I know some people are thinking, isn't this just HDR? And it is kind of like HDR on steroids. It's uh, it's much, it's pretty cool at what it can resolve I, from dark scenes. I mean, the magic to me is that ha- is the sharpness of the pictures yeah. that they're mm-hmm. getting, even when you're not shooting on a tripod. Like, like apparently, it seems like if you shoot on a tripod, it'll do up to a second exposures. If you're shooting off a tripod, it's a third of a second, and it it it, it does analysis on the scene 
before you take the first picture to know what it should be doing, which it's is not, it's, unbelievable. It's not the kind of thing where you're going to get award-winning photos necessarily. But it's you gonna, might, though. It's going to get you photos that you couldn't otherwise get. And what's neat is that it's going beyond what the human eye can even I mean, but the, That's but the, what's crazy about it. And that's the thing. Like, If you can take photos places that you weren't able to previously take photos, then you may actually get award-winning photos out of this thing. Well, what, what they didn't show are like multiple subjects moving. And yeah. If you have a moving subject, it's still going to be blurry. Like, yeah, it's really only good for static subjects so it's this, gonna be, like socially i don't know it's not gonna be if, as handy as if you spend a lot of time in bars or dungeons yeah this is the camera for you it's gonna i think it's gonna end up being a better than nothing kind of solution but still I mean, technically cool i get that th- there's such a small percentage of people that are actually need it for these conditions but man this seems like just like a great feature it's not an extra charge it's just gonna be shipped with all their pixel phones I have a two right now, and the camera on the two just like it blows me away constantly. Yeah. So I'm psyched about this. All right. All right. Can I interest you in an auction, gentlemen? There's an auction starting today. I like auctions. that. I think we should all go in on. If we pool our resources, yeah. we might be able to get a piece of the I've got like five G spectrum that the Ooh. FCC is opening up today. I'm in. Yeah, there's but, only like which spectrum is this? Is this like former TV? Is this from microwave ovens? What spectrum have we got here? We're talking about between a, a, a millimeter wave technology, which means it's between microwaves and infrared. Ooh. It's what the current Wi-Fi AD spectrum uses. Okay, uh, so it is designed for fast transmission of data, Just like gigabit. No, beyond. Whoa! Current 4G standard technically maxes at a gigabit. This will max at 20. So that's a gigabit across all the devices connected to the, each cell, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good. That's theoretical. Obviously, you get way less than that. Yeah. But still. If I we, get, I'll, I'd take 18. <laughs> I'd be I mean, happy with 18. Imagine. I mean, that would be. this is going to be insane for cell phones. Yeah. And also home internet, it turns out. There's... What do you mean? Like well, people are talking local? about using 5G for like for like your home internet oh, rather than of a running, hard line. yeah instead of running a hard line. If you're looking at the rural areas that are the the you know the last five percent or ten percent of the country to be wired, why bother when you can just get a gigabit over the cell at hopefully reasonable prices? Three thousand licenses are up. That's why I think we should get in. You think we can get one? Like where do we get like Montana someplace? I think we can at least send out a tweet saying like, oh, so close. Mm. <laughs> What's the bid process? Do we have to get approved? Do we have to, do we have to like, I'm sure sign? that's do they have to do a credit check or anything? We have to offer tax incentives. What kind of tax incentives? Like a, like uh, yeah. we get a, we get we don't pay taxes if we get the auction? <laughs> I'm in for that. Taxes suck. All right. Uh, on that note, yeah. uh, let's let's move forward. Netflix is uh, might be trying to take advantage of this new spectrum that will be opening up by offering a cheaper plan. Hmm. Cheaper plan, as in well, up to fifty percent off for for mobile users. People who are only using Netflix on mobile. Yeah, and that's a, always a catch. I don't know if like I I have a hard time imagining that. Like, I, there's no way I would ever consider this. I'm using their like opposite. You're tier. not a Gen Z. I'm using the 4K family plan. Never phone. You know, like yeah. everybody can do it. And uh, this is the opposite side of that. It costs mm. half as much. And then I thought, well, you know what? Like, I have someone in my family who only listens, who will go on walks and listen to Netflix. Like, That's bonkers. N- not even watch. So this might be perfect for some people. Yeah. I don't, uh, but me, I have a hard time understanding it. Do you, do you, I, could you imagine being a Netflix consumer just on your phone? Well, I don't really watch much TV, Jeremy. Does that, does the Oculus Go count? 
as a phone. Right. Yeah, I would think so. I think it counts as is a mobile device. Is that your main device. Netflix consumption device? It's either that or the bedroom TV usually, yeah. Really? Yeah, I hardly ever watch TV. You watch Netflix on your Oculus Go. What do you watch? Fairly often. Uh, like, just series. Like, I'll put a series on, zonk out on the bed, and, and when I start to fall asleep, I'll take it off and chuck it on the floor. Yeah, that's nice. That's literally the, that's what I use the Oculus Go for, it turns out. So there was some information in Recode, uh, I think late, or actually earlier this year, that said 35% of Netflix signups were coming through mobile. What that Whether that means that people are actually watching through that device, I don't know. I mean, there's something to be said about signing, managing all your signups through your inter- through your cell provider. Because then, like, you only have one. Pay- like, when when your credit card gets stolen, you'll have to change one credit card, and everything's updated. You don't have to change Netflix, Hulu, all the other stuff that you pay for. They're testing this overseas first, not in the states. That makes <laughs> sense because in a lot of the a lot of the world, that's prim- people's primary internet device. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, do you? Is it cheaper because it uses less data over mobile? Is that the idea? I have no like idea why they price it this or something? way. Well, yeah, there's no. It, I would imagine. If, if that's the case, since I don't have a 4K set, I should get a cheaper Netflix too. I'm only doing 1080p streams. I'm, I'm way cheaper than Jeremy Captain 4K over here. Uh, that's just weird because you're a media guy. Yeah, I would have thought that you'd be all about like the highest definition. This I've been spending a lot of time with Norm. Norm's got like he's like Mr. Blu-ray. That TV right? is bananas. He's like Netflix is not good enough. Yeah. But Blu-ray also is, well, I mean, there's a whole other conversation to be had there. But but Norm also has the baller, the LG OLED That's right. Ultimate Black Which TV. Which really just means it's new. Like, all the TVs these days are cheaper than the one I bought 10 years ago. Well, yeah. But, like, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting until I can get the OLED. That's why. That's the, like that's the 4K hold off. Yeah. yeah. For me. All right. Um <laughs> That's enough, children. That's enough. Moving of that. on. We it's time to talk about drones, like serious <laughs> adults. Uh, <laughs> I think last year we had in the Hover One, which was a essentially like a selfie drone. It was this very lightweight. Remember this thing? No, drone it that, was like an all the yes, the I do remember that rotors were encaged. Yeah. Well, and the Hover Two has been announced. Cool. It's on Kickstarter. It's a four hundred dollar investment. Um, this new one doesn't look like the old one. It, it, what's neat about the new one is it has this little rotating s- s- device on the top that's the uh, depth sensor. And, um, oh, is it like a LiDAR? Y- it, they call it, li- it's, they don't know, the, what do they call it? Optical radar is what they call it, I think. Wow, that is, that is a word that means nothing. Right. Because radar means radio waves. <laughs> so it doesn't, when you see it move, it can do a little bit of this. And okay. I think it's pretty smart. Like, they got the cost down somehow, and that must be part of it. Like some people have put cameras all around the device, mm-hmm. but they put a rotating one on top that's just a stereo pair. What if there's something on the bottom that you could hit? Well, I'm sure there might be a scanner down there. Okay. I don't know. But in any case, like if you liked their first device, the second one's coming out, and it's I, got some. some I gotta stuff. say that that first one, while not my favorite drone by any stretch of the imagination, was pretty simple to use. Exactly, and, and it was pretty fun to fly around. How's the camera? Is it like is the camera any good? You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. have bad cameras. Good resolution, but. You know, it's not noisy be an and NSL crappy. Yeah. 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 All right. Our last tech story is that uh, Europeans are finally may have the benefit of enjoying a Tesla soon. The Model Three, they have Teslas over there. Well, but the Model Three is like the new deal. You, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's their new car. It's smaller. It's supposed to be much more affordable. My brother bought one this weekend. No kidding. How'd it go for him? And I was like, oh no, you're part of that cult now. And he's like, it's not a cult. I'm like, it's a cult. Has he got any Elon tweets tattooed on himself yet? <laughs> Did he uh, pre-order it or just walk in and like buy one? Did he get a uh, free flamethrower? He did not get a free flamethrower that I noticed. 
I, I think he he pre-ordered a while ago. Okay. So what's interesting about this is they are including a CCS port. Tesla has their own port for charging. Mm-hmm. All their superchargers are compatible with that port. Only that one. And no other car manufacturer is compatible with the superchargers or the, you know the Tesla proprietary. Can you port. just buy an adapter like a dongle that you plug into the car? In order to connect Tesla's two CCS ports, you do need that adapter. Oh, wow. But what they're doing in Europe is they're building Teslas with a CCS port natively. Is this an EU regulation thing? Is this I like how you have to have micro USB exactly. or USB-C on all the phones? I think so. Like, I read this article huh. and I did not see a reference to that, but the, I'm thinking that must be it. Like, they're, the company line is the CCS charging standard is more prevalent in Europe already. Man, I just want big government out of my charging ports. I don't know, man. Like I, what was interesting about this is somebody also asked Tesla, are they thinking about changing CCSing their supercharger the network to CCS oh, boy. in Europe? And they didn't say no. That would be a big problem for people that have early Teslas, huh? Yeah, then they need an adapter going. Yeah, a dongle. Yeah, they need Can you get adapter. a dongle that lets you plug your car into a Tesla thing? Um, the, only the destination chargers, which are standard 240-volt mm. chargers. Okay. You can't do supercharging. See, this is why Apple wants to get in the game. And Just the, all the dongle. The super light reports. <laughs> yeah. All the dongles. You're so right about They're it. We're going to dong it all up, the guys. Dongle. We're um, max, maximum dong. By the way, that, that adapter for the destination chargers yeah. is... A million is dollars. Black, no, it's black market. Like, Tesla what? is not for this. Yeah. And, of course, if, I'm sure Tesla owners aren't for it either because they don't want to see a Chevy Bolt plugged into their destination. No. Um, because those are actually subsidized by Tesla. Like, they, they pay... They pay all the money to have them installed in hotels. I, I have to say, when they took away the infinite charging for Model S's and Model X's uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. like that, that made me much less interested in buying a Tesla because part of the appeal was like free supercharging for life on a Model S. And if you don't get that, why? Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to pay for my electricity. It's free, free like the mm-hmm. water. All right. Do we have a message from Norm? Before these guys continue, I want to let you know that the sponsor that makes this episode possible is MailChimp. MailChimp is an easy-to-use marketing platform with a name that might make it sound like they only do email, but they do just about everything to help businesses grow with email ads, postcards, landing pages, audience management tools, automations, reports, and more you'll know you're doing marketing right. Growth looks different to everyone. So MailChimp helps guide you to make the right marketing decisions for your business. You can create a customer list, connect an online store, test an email variation, or analyze a marketing report. MailChimp understands business owners would rather focus on their passion than focus on the marketing, so they automated the marketing process to make it easier for you to get back to doing what you love. MailChimp started by just doing email marketing, but now they do just so much more. You can say they outgrew their name, and now their marketing tools can help you do the same. Go to MailChimp.com and sign up for free to see how MailChimp can help grow your business. MailChimp, they do more than mail. Now back to the show. Now it's time for a moment of science. So just a few quick stories today because we got some happenings in the VR Minute. Uh, Adam and I went to this conference last year called the Mars Conference that Jeff Bezos puts on. It's a it's sort of a collection of people that work in automation and AI, machine learning, and, and, um, and space exploration. And one of the people we met there is this guy, Peter Beck, who's based out of New Zealand, who's trying to create 
sort of a a new kind of lo- um, launch system is the best way to is he I the think one doing the small launches off of the coast of New Zealand exactly and he's trying to make cool. it so that there's so many more windows to send up stuff part of the rocket that he's built which is called the electron booster is actually 3D printed so it's metal 3D mm. printed and so it's a lot cheaper to make i think the total cost is somewhere around like 6 million a launch which is a lot cheaper wow. than a SpaceX launch um, and so for the first time, that electron booster successfully delivered a payload to, into orbit. And they were just CubeSats. So let, let's not overthink what the what actually went into orbit. What's a CubeSat? CubeSat is literally a satellite that's a, the size of a maybe um, Rubik's Cube. It's like smaller Rubik's than a shoebox, bigger yeah. than a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, it's not very big. Uh, but these satellites have the capability of sending down all sorts of data, including imagery data. Um, so they can be powerful, especially when they're net- there's a bunch of them networked together. Uh, anyways, um, Peter's opened up a second facility in L.A., uh, and now that he has a successful launch, uh, he's going to try one more launch this year to sort of prove that he can successfully get stuff to orbit. But then if that works, he's going to try 16 launches in 2019. His company's Rocket Lab? Rocket Lab, yeah. Um, Peter is one of the more interesting characters. He, I think I have this kind of view of what what like a CEO of a rocket company looks like for some reason. And uh, Peter doesn't fit in that mold. He's this like kind of understated New Zealand guy. I, and he I, would talk about everything in this sort of ho-hum way. I, I, feel I loved like, it. I feel like um, the wave of current like rocket entrepreneurs – are, there's a wide swath. They represent every aspect of humanity at this point, it seems like. Yeah, I will say uh, Peter got into trouble last year because he launched something called Humanity Star, which is essentially a, I think it's a 16-sided mirror. Um, and so it was this kind of ball like that went ball? up. It was a disco ball that he launched into orbit. And so it would catch the sun's light and shine down. So people on Earth without a telescope would be able to spot this thing uh, once they knew what like coordinates were. And we actually went outside during this conference, like in the middle of the night, like four in the morning, and looked for it. And you could just see it. You could see a flash Is coming super from bright? it. Is it like an airplane? Uh it looked no. It's like a flash of light. Okay. So it, it's pretty quick because it's sort of tumbling over itself. Yeah. Oh, so it's not like aiming. It's not trying it's to triangulate. Like no, no. It's it's sort of spinning. It's a disco ball spinning in space. It's just doing its own thing. Yeah. And every now and again, that light captures from the sun and reflects down to Earth. So, are there any robotics on it at all? Like no, thr- thrusters, none. computers? None. He saw it as sort of like an outreach experiment. I like this guy. And astronomers hate this thing I like because it. it totally messes oh, it with craps their, up their shots yeah, yeah. <laughs> their long exposures wow but that sort of speaks to peter's character he's a troll all right who anyone here on the spicy train i like spicy food okay i don't know so carolina Jeremy reaper i think is the hottest pepper known in existence is that like a million scovilles yeah something like that well uh there was a discovery of something hotter it was from this cactus plant that is 40 5,000 times hotter than the hottest habanero or 10,000 times hotter than Carolina Reaper. At that uh, point, can you even taste it? Like, I no. assume it's just like horrific no. pain all the way this through. This is just a poison at D- that point. Diminishing yeah. returns. But what's interesting, which it's called resin and ferrotoxin. So you know toxins in the name, so it's going to be good. Uh, oh. It is essentially becoming a tool now to develop as a pain medication because of how quickly wow. it can numb areas. And it has shown promise 
in freeing people from opioid addiction. So it's become all sorts of interesting <laughs> because it deadens these nerve endings that opioids are binding to. Oh. I was going to say, it's like a punishment thing, like a negative feedback. You right. have the opioids and you get another shot of this stuff. Or, like the clockwork orange. Yeah. Just so drop wait, it right in the eyeballs. So do they ingest it? Uh, these are injections in specific sites. Genital cream. <laughs> they. Why did that happen? <laughs> they inject it into people who are addicted to opiates? Wow. That's one of the hopes. It's not at that point yet where we're Seems testing horrible. it in that way. But it can block these really specific receptors. What is the sensation you get after you're injected with it? I think it's numb. Your whole body? I think in that specific area. Just but, that area. But it's blocking that receptor that opioids try to bind to. And so now you can wean yourself wow. off the addiction. So it's this really interesting thing where, like, the hottest thing on record is now being used as a pain medication. That's actually pretty normal. Uh, there's actually a bunch of pain medication that's been derived from capsaicin-type products. You said oh. it's a ferrotoxin? Is that, like, pheromone? Uh, no. Okay. Ferro more like iron. Iron, probably, yeah. You're so smart. He's a very smart man. I mean, you, but Kishore's oh. all right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's talk about experiments of Venus flytrap. Did you, either of you have Venus flytraps well, as children? Let me. Uh, so you have to gross. touch the little um, things twice in order to make them chomp. Yeah, there are fibers on the end that you Good. would touch, hey, and that up. would uh, essentially inc- incite the uh, Venus uh, flytrap to actually close. Uh, well, researchers wondered, is it just the actual pushing on these fingers that make a difference? And there is some hint that there's actually some electrical signaling going on. So they essentially created what's called a cold plasma. They ignited uh, an electrical like lightning bolt through some air that had some nitrogen and oxygen in it. Let that air that's now highly ionized flow into the Venus flytrap to visualize what would happen. And they found the Venus flytrap is actually releasing uh, ionized particles wow. before actually coming into physical contact with something to actually sense that it's there. Wow. So this sort of like ozone-like effect, because that's what ionized oxygen you can turn into, um, this isn't so dissimilar than what they think is happening in certain biological processes. But you can, it's hard to envision like this kind of thing happening in a cell. Easier to see it in a Venus flytrap. Yeah. That's, That's the weirdest really cool. story I saw this week. Uh, and a last one. Uh, there's a new galaxy that we found that's really diffuse. That's just on the edge of the Milky Way galaxy. It's about 450,000 light years away. Um, it's a nearby galaxy we didn't know about? Yeah. Crazy. It's 10,000 times fainter than the Milky Way galaxy. Why is it so faint? They don't, that's the what's really interesting. It's really diffuse. So everything is super spread out in this galaxy, but they're able to sort of image how it's actually rotating over itself. So it's really clearly a galaxy. It, when you say it's on the edge, you mean it's like on the rim? Because that's. It's in our plane, so it's really hard to see. That's why we have a hard time seeing it. Well, it's also because it's faint and it's really diffuse. Right, so, right, right. right. Uh, it's interesting. They they found a hundred red giant stars sort of moving in unison in a particular area um, in this in this galaxy, and they're really trying to study the pattern of their movement to understand how a galaxy formed that's this diffuse in size. Oh, wow! Did you did you see the thing about the two stars colliding that Phil Plate posted no, earlier this didn't. week or last week? Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you so we can talk about it next week. But it, it was uh, uh, I think it was a brown dwarf and a white dwarf, maybe or a neutron star. I can't remember. But they collided. 
and unpredictable things happened, and it changed our understanding of the universe. Oh, awesome. One quick thing before we move on to the VR Minute. <laughs> yeah. Will, you had some mysterious fibers show up in your yard. You post about this on Twitter. Yeah, so we've been um, inundated with smoke, like to the point that you can't go outside, and, and it's, it's super bad. You wear masks and stuff. But Gina came in the other night and saw something that I had noticed that morning and thought it was, you know, how sometimes you see spider webs in the grass and you think mm-hmm. like the dew hits them, the light hits them just right and they sparkle. And she saw that and then noticed that, that, that those spider webs were also on top of literally every surface in our backyard and looked closer. And we have, uh, I would say, probably millions of tiny glass fibers that are like five centimeters long and thinner than a human hair. Um, almost impossible to see unless you're moving your head and the light catches them just right. And we don't know what they are. Presumably they were deposited as with the smoke from the fires. And like the first guess obviously everybody has is that it's fiberglass, uh, fiberglass insulation that got vaporized and blown up into the atmosphere and then dropped where the air cooled down. Which has happened in fires, but not in the insulation. Like fiberglass boats have caught on fire and people have found fibers. Yeah, usually the fiberglass insulation I think melts before it escapes the walls. Um, so, uh, a tested, I assume a tested viewer, somebody who follows me on Twitter was like, Hey, I have access to a bunch of, uh, uh, electron microscopes and chromatographs and stuff like that. So I've collected some specimens and I have to drop them in the mail to, to them. How did you collect them? Uh, scotch tape and tweezers. Mm-hmm. So you use scotch tape and you pick up everything and kind of fold the tape back over on itself. Uh, and then I also have, I've got to go out this afternoon actually and get, uh, try, I'm trying to get individual fibers, which are shockingly hard to grab because like you're, you have to grab something that you can't see, really. Um, and then you kind of pick it up and you see if you get anything and then drop it in a vial so he has some clean specimens. Have uh, your neighbors co- uh, complained or mentioned it? Uh, so I asked one of our neighbors yesterday. They hadn't noticed him yet. But like huh. I said, nobody's been outside. Yeah. We, we're painting the house. So we've been outside moving stuff away from the house and walk the dogs and stuff. But um, nobody else in the neighborhood has noticed. So. It's a it's a very unusual thing, and I'm hoping that we don't have to have some sort of massive environmental cleanup in the yeah, backyard. Keep us posted on your Twitter about that. I'd be very curious. Yeah, we I get a lot of questions. <laughs> the VR minute, virtual reality this week. All right, we have a ten minute VR minute. <laughs> Let's start with this. Amazing leak that Valve may have a new VR headset in the works. Well, it's almost certain now because their their new um, controller drivers made reference to several of the components seen in these photos. Did you see these photos, Will? I've just looked at them a minute ago. Yeah, you hadn't seen these until today. I've been really busy this week. Jeremy. So there's like, yes, they're oddly good photos. Like they're they're a leak, but the photos show lots of really great angles. One of them has a computer screen in the background that's perfectly in focus that gives the date of only a few months ago. You can see controller boards in some of them. Yeah, including the names on some of the involved of the chips. But it is um, from one of the boards says Valve on it, so it is mm-hmm. uh, a new developer kit or potentially a new Vive that's in development. Um, at Valve, uh, but of course there is absolutely no official word on them. Just four photos that leaked to the internet, and you know they weren't like necessarily like immediately taken down. Um, I haven't seen any sites have them taken down. GDC is just around the corner, guys. Um, yeah, and then you know some developers have been dropping hints for weeks now about wait for GDC. There's going to be some good information for VR nerds, but um, it looks like it has some kind of inside out. 
abilities. It has cameras on the front. Of course, the, the Vive has cameras on the front, but these are positioned more like what you would expect from a tracking solution on the corners. It has a port on the front that looks like it's connected to a USB. Uh, it could just probably, who knows what that is. It looks kind of um, uh, magic or elite motion you know, shaped, but mm -hmm. it's unlikely that that's, they're using that for any kind of hand tracking solution, all it's possible. The Pimax guys are using Leap Motion for their hand tracking. I mean, the big surprise to me is that there don't seem to be the divots that work on the current uh, generation and, yeah. or second generation Lighthouse sensors. Well, yeah, with, with Oculus moving away from outside in and strictly inside out, maybe uh, the next Vive we, should, we would expect the same thing, maybe just for the headset, I don't know. But the, someone did point out that there are divots on the top that are potentially um, for using those... Is trackers. that like a grill on the front? What do you mean? Like, uh, uh, like the, it like looks a like a speaker it, grill. Yeah, it's a place to buy a hat for your vibe. You can put uh, whatever, I mean, whatever in-game thing the, you are. Even if this is all legit, this is a developer kit, and it's probably just you know excess cooling. Just well, but um, you know, some people have posited that maybe there are haptics in the headphones. Oh um, wow, which hmm. would be interesting. Um, and the, what's neat to me is the optics, the optics themselves, while still clearly Fresnel, they still have those ridges. They look huge. Really, really big. Which is, some people are thinking, you know, what, easily over the standard 110 degree field of view that we have now, maybe as, as much as like 140 or beyond. These look a lot different than the the dev prototypes that Valve shipped out of the pre-Vive. You know, the, the, not the Vive pre, but the actual pre-pre. Um, you know the the original Valve dev kits. Mm -hmm. uh, those looked those looked much more kind of hand built, but were representative of the final hardware design of the Vive. I don't see any indication of eye tracking, which I'm kind of hoping for from next gen devices. But you know, who knows? it would be. It, I mean, I don't, would we even see it with this view? You, normally, you would see some sort of uh, at least IR light, if not camera. What, eye, what's eye that, facing. What's that big bar in between the two lenses? That that thing, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know either. Yeah, but uh, and no. this does look like the pro head strap. If I'm looking at this right, if they're, yeah, I imagine they learned their lesson, and mm -hmm. the next gen devices will have built-in audio. I would hope so. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. That's interesting news. I mean, who? Just wait and see. But just, I'm glad to see that there's more hardware in development, VR facing from Valve because they basically kickstarted this whole VR revolution. Like, I know Oculus gets all the credit, but Oculus used a lot of the, you know, the head start that, that Valve gave uh, during their early development. So I'm glad to see that they're still ready to compete in that space. We just have a couple other quick stories. Um, there are rumors that uh, we're going to get a new uh, Void experience. Well, uh, no, no, no. This, at, is, this has been well-known. Like, we talked to them about this at... Oh, did they mention at, it at openly? Yeah. Uh, they, they've been public about Wreck-It Ralph being the next Void experience. And it will share the space with existing Void experiences. And they will transition from the, I think, what's it called? Shadows of the Empire? It's the Star, yeah, the the, Star Wars the, one. The Star yeah. Wars one to the Wreck-It Ralph one midday. Like, that's how modular. Oh, so they give morning shows and then afternoon shows? Yeah. So you can that's interesting. come for Star Wars in the morning and Wreck-It Ralph in the afternoon. Cool. So their spaces are that modular, which is cool. Like, the, just from a setup standpoint, that's a neat ability for, that they have. And they released the trailer, though, today mm -hmm. or yesterday, of the Wreck-It Ralph experience. Z-Wreck VR? Yeah, that's what it's called. Have you not seen it? No. Oh. Yeah, that's what it's called. Ralph Rex VR. Wow. <laughs> 
There is uh, sounds great. There is a rumor that there is a Marvel based experience coming in 2019. It seems like the Void Vibe people have a pretty good relationship with Disney. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it Disney. Seem I don't know. No, no, no. But like, it sounds like Disney like is all about this. Like the but it's the it's the Imagineers that are all about it. The like, they they Lab want people, right? they want more VR. But the theme parks are having a hard time embracing it because uh, they probably can't run as many people through it. Well, there's flow problems. Exactly. As they need. But But they're the right people to figure that out. Look, my Marvel experience that I want, I want to be the Hulk. I want to get in an exosuit. And I want to be nine feet tall and punch through some buildings. And do it in VR. That's all. Like, give me that. I don't need want Rampage. Have you played Marvel's Power Uh, United? Oh, yeah. The thing. Yeah, I played it at uh, Connect last year. The Marvel, uh, the, yeah, the Marvel, Marvel Oculus yeah, game. That's all right. You can be a whole. I'm not nine feet tall. Um, the I, the Wreck-It Ralph trailer doesn't have me like super no. jazzed. I don't know. Like it's oddly the Void stuff's been pretty good so far. I'm, the Void stuff is amazing. Yeah. That's why I I maybe I'm let down by the trailer because the trailer the graphics are seem oddly choppy. It's campy in a way. Like the the Star Wars one, you're is they've tried to do it serious. They try to pull off like a legitimate. Yeah, you're, you're really in this universe kind of thing, and this one just seems kind of goofy. I'm so sorry about your inner child, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been it, a, it's a great loss. It for does. All of it us. seems much more like you would expect something you would expect to see on Pixar Pier. You know, something obviously it's regular, wow. so you wouldn't. But it's more. It's more like a like Toy Story Mania. You know, it's kind of shoot the things, and now over here, and there's Wreck and Ralph being silly, and yeah, you know. Do you play Vanellope or do you play somebody else? Do you play Felix? I don't think you play Is either. Is Felix even in this movie? No, I think they're characters that you see in the in the thing. Fix it, Felix. It's got to be in this movie. I don't know who you are. They killed Jack McBrayer a few years ago, so it's just a it's a replacement. There is an 8-bit creed. element to it that turns me on, gets me kind of excited. Oh, you really are an old man. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a Space invader pixel area. Like, that's... Yeah. Uh, now I'm on, I do want to go because okay. of this, but... Um, whatever it's, it's well, the void it, let, it's gonna be good let's keep going with that theme because there's two upcoming games Echo Combat upcoming like by the time you listen to this podcast they're already out my friend is this yeah. more, Echo Com- Echo, more Echo Arena Echo- no this is the new mode this is the multiplayer this is Echo Combat this is the first person this is the shooter mode this is where you get weaponry in the, but still in the domes in the in the zero G totally new areas and there's yes, game sphere that same that sounds that, dope that same locomotion Mechanic. It's uh, everyone knows who has a VR headset probably about Echo Arena and Lone Echo. Well, this is the new mode. It will cost I don't know ten bucks or something. And, and if you're wondering what Jeremy and I are doing as you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're hunting for the Blood Moon. I think you're just moving straight. I'm talking about Echo Combat for a minute, man. Well, is <laughs> important. Uh, this is important. This is like a major. Up- I was trying to get them both out there. Did you guys talk about Tetris Effect, by the way? No, not yet. Oh, um, man. Did you guys talk about that last week? You didn't talk I about wasn't that? here last Oh, yeah, I was here last week. I, I hadn't <laughs> played it yet last week. Echo Combat, man. It's it's uh, point defense and um, what do you call it? Not chaperone, but when you uh, defend Dude. a thing that's moving. Escort missions? Escort missions. That sounds great. I love escort missions. Um, and it's you got four different weapons you can choose from, yeah. but only when you spawn, and you, then you're stuck like with shotguns, it. Different ordinances, pistol, you grab the rifle. grenades off, and you toss them out. Lots okay. of team play. Uh, there's a new map that's launching with it, and uh, one of them has 4v4. That sounds okay. I think the others it might be 3v3. In any case, this this is going to be fun. It's a, I think this might be the new like newbie-friendly version, because Echo Arena has a bit of a learning curve. Yeah. It's like a Rocket League meets Frisbee throwing. This one's more... Game and shoot. Pew pew pew. Exactly. Uh, back to your point. Yes. What is it? Blood. Crescendo of the Blood Moon. So it's a Zelda thing. That 
it's so funny that I am more, Castlevania. As excited as I am for oh, right. combat, I am more excited for this. I, the Rec Room quests are pretty, pretty epic. Good. I yeah. Yeah. freaking live for these Rec Room quests. And it's been almost, God, how long has it been since Pirate Quest? A year? No. no it's been like six months. Yeah, you're, I guess you're right. Because they did the Battle Royale this summer, and the pirate than, one was before that. It's more than six months. I interviewed, nine months, maybe. I interviewed them at GDC. It's probably uh, GDC yeah, then. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, yeah, nine, nine months, months is a good yeah. length of time. But they did the Battle Royale thing. That's true. <laughs> and they've done a lot to improve like the maker stuff, but I live for these quests. They're like instances, because you're not stuck with... You know, were, no I chance. think they're some of the most enjoyable multiplayer experiences I've had in VR. I, I, I would say that they are... Astro bot rescue thing that that's a pretty good multiplayer. It's not really a VR multiplayer thing. It's it's right like these are my favorite VR multiplayer things. Mm-hmm. Lastly, YouTube VR is coming to the Oculus Go. Yep, multiple it, it, people it, it's confirmed. On there. It is on there now. Oh, it's already been released. It's out. Do you guys watch can download watch it. a lot of three sixty video? You like the three sixty video? No. Yeah, nobody does. It turns out nobody does. But at least yeah. it's there. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like a lot of people think that's what VR is. You Can know? you watch regular YouTube yeah, on the YouTube flat VR? Screen, on the there go? it is. It's that just, sounds great. Why not? It's the kind of app that it. This is not news, man. This is like this should have been somebody there at is watching this podcast in an Oculus Go right now. Probably. I might be. Who knows? Yeah, this is the kind of thing that you would just expect to be on the device at launch. Of course, there's a YouTube app. Now there is. End of story. Um, it works. It works well. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week's edition of This Is Only a Test. Tetris Effect's really good. Oh, I haven't played that yet. You but, should play I mean, it. I played oh, it good. at E3, and I'm, I just need to set aside some time. It's really good. How many hours have you put into it? Uh, I put, Well, you can play 2D and VR. Yeah. I played a fair amount 2D because it's easy to just pick up the controller and it's play. It's only on PSVR it's right It's only now. on PSVR. Maybe for the foreseeable. It's unclear oh. how much money Sony you put into it. Yeah, right. Um, it's really good. The VR mode is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is. I wouldn't have thought VR Tetris was where it's going to be dude, at. The, it's well, it's made by Miz, so the mm-hmm. same team that made Res and Luminous and, Luminous yeah, and uh, Medios and Space Channel Number Nine and a bunch of other amazing rhythm games. And it, the, he does the Luminous thing. The, they do the Luminous thing with the game, where the backgrounds and the music change with the cadence of the game, and it's. It's it's very good. The whole idea is that it's supposed to give you the Tetris effect, which is where you're sitting there and you keep seeing Tetris pieces in the world around you after you play for a while. There's a book called Tetris yeah. Effect that talks about this. It hasn't happened to me yet, but the it's a beautiful game. It's really good. It's uh it's forty bucks, I think, which is oh, that's a lot. Kind of expensive it's for not, a Tetris it's not game. 30? Maybe it's thirty bucks. I can't remember. Yeah. But it was it was more than I thought it was I was more it was more than I expected when I went to buy it. It's worth every penny, I would say. It's and forty. It is forty dollars. It's a very like it is um there has not been a great version of Tetris since like the SNES, as far as since they introduced the T spin. Still has the T spin. It's a very good version of Tetris. I'm gonna try to wrap up the podcast again. Let's see if sorry, I'm that. sorry. <laughs> sure, you did a great job hosting. Yeah, uh, we were co-hosts. We're all three co-hosts. No, I'm not a co-host. Equally co-hosting. I'm a special guest who got and... screwed out of his intro. Oh no! <laughs> Walk on music. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us on This Is Only a Test. Uh, we will actually not be here next week. What? But I believe Norm will be joining us with some special guests. Yeah, me. Well, I'm back again. Are you? I yeah. was trying to give you special guest status, and you wouldn't let me. Look, you already. See, I, if you're not playing the music, I don't want your special <laughs> guest status. Well, you bring it up with Norm. Uh, 